God rules in the kingdom of men. And he puts one down and brings up another. He knows the future as clearly as the present. Do you think God can't get America's attention? He can, and he will. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. When God wants to get your attention, He has some amazingly creative ways of doing it. Hi everybody and welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire and thanks for joining us this time. Today we're continuing through the book of Daniel in our series entitled, Courageous Living. There are few accounts in the Bible more arresting and shocking than what happened one night when God crashed a sinful party held by King Belshazzar of Babylon. Everyone was having the time of their life when suddenly a hand just a hand, appeared in front of a wall and began writing a message on it. It's safe to say that party was over with. The message could only be interpreted once again by Daniel, and it spelled the doom of an entire kingdom. You don't want to miss this gripping story, so grab your Bible and follow along as I share part two of the message, The Handwriting on the Wall. Then King Belshazzar was greatly troubled, just like Nebuchadnezzar, his grandfather, once again. His countenance was changed. His lords were all astonished. Isn't it interesting how twice with Nebuchadnezzar and once with his grandson, Belshazzar, God uses a means of communication, two dreams and the handwriting on the wall, that require Daniel to be brought to the forefront. It's like it takes a crisis to bring the real man of God to the fore. And so here comes Daniel again. But what we're about to see is that Belshazzar knew nothing about the wisest man in his entire kingdom. And that ought to tell you a lot about Belshazzar. He knew all the astrologers. He knew all the Chaldeans, all the soothsayers, all the magicians. He knew all the occultists. But the wisest man on the planet and the wisest man in Babylon, he didn't know a thing about him. His queen had to tell him, hey, dear, look what it says. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. She hadn't been in this mess. She shows up now. She's probably the only sober one. And the queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever, yada, 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 right? Don't let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom, in whom is what, everybody? Read it with me. The Spirit of the Holy God. Everybody say the Holy Ghost. There's a man in your kingdom that has the Holy Ghost, that has the Holy Spirit. And in the days of your father, your grandfather Nebuchadnezzar, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. How did he not know this? How did he not know this? 
makes me nuts. I wonder about these kings. But he knew all the magicians that Daniel was over, but he didn't know about Daniel. Isn't it funny how the devil can keep you from the answer? It's like you can be in a nation that knows so many things but doesn't know Jesus. They don't know anything about Jesus. Jesus? Who's Jesus? What did he say? You know, our nation is amazingly ignorant of Jesus. I was in a store recently, and I was waiting for something. And I got to talking to this little lady there who was this elder Jewish woman. And we were talking, and I told her I was a pastor. And every time you say that, it shuts them down. You can see them go, "Uh uh-oh, on the inside. I said, I'm a pastor. And she said, oh, how nice. But inside, I can see her thinking, the exit door is where? And so we talked, and then I quoted Jesus. I quoted Jesus to her. And you know what she said to me? She said, did he really say that? Seriously. I think I said something like, you know, he said, um, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Something like that. Something very commonly known. Did he really say that? How did this woman, very intelligent Jewish woman, how did she grow up in America and reach her latter years and not even know the most common thing Jesus said? So here in the kingdom of Babylon, he knows all about the magicians, this king, but he doesn't know... We could say the Jesus of his day, the greatest man of God on earth in his day. It was kept from him. So anyway, she said, let Daniel now be called, and he will give the interpretation. Now, Scripture and history reveal that any kingdom or nation ripe for judgment has gone through the process of removing men of wisdom from their sight. If you can track history, pick anywhere. Let's pick pre-World War II Germany, as the Nazis were rising, they systematically removed from the public view any prominent man of God. They sent letters to all the Lutheran churches. The Lutheran church was the main church in the days of Nazi Germany. And as Hitler was coming to power, he focused on the church. He wanted the church shut down. And so he sent out an edict once he became the chancellor the the supreme leader of Nazi Germany, he sent out an edict that the churches could not preach anything other than the sermons the Nazis sent them. The Lutheran church had chosen this tact. If we will just leave this maniac alone, he'll go away. But he didn't go away. They didn't fight him. They didn't resist him. They didn't stand against him, and they were terrified of speaking out against him. And they said, if we just play dumb and stick our head in the sand, this maniac will go away. This bad dream will go away. No, it got worse. They received papers one day. You can't stand in the pulpit and quote a Bible. You can only speak Nazi propaganda. The story is told of a Lutheran church, true story. A Lutheran church just before the Nazis totally took over the Lutheran churches of Germany, there was a Lutheran church that was situated near railroad tracks. And they're meeting one day. Every time they met, the trains went by, but this time they heard people screaming from the train. True story. Jews in this train stuck in there like sardines in a can, crying for help. 
You know what they did? The leader said, sing louder, sing louder, sing louder to drown out the cries for help. And they sang louder. But the plague of Nazism didn't go away. And the tyrannical, evil spirit that gripped that nation finally shut down the churches. Where are we? Are we going to sing louder? Or are we going to speak up? I don't know about you, but you're in a church that's going to speak up. I said you're in a church that's going to speak up. I'm not going to ever say to you, sing louder so we can't hear. No, we're going to speak up. But there's a whole lot of churches in America right now who are essentially, metaphorically speaking, singing louder. But it's not going to go away. Our freedoms are being threatened right now, and we need to stand up quickly. So Daniel had been removed from their sight. In Noah's day, they didn't listen to Noah, though he preached to them for 120 years. In Lot's day, they turned away from Abraham. In Jesus' time, they rejected him. And to no one's surprise, America is now persecuting and mocking every wise, godly, prophetic voice speaking to it. Right now, just yesterday, I read of a church, I can't remember the state, I can look it up, but they have passed a law in this state where now this church cannot call homosexuality a sin without being visited by authorities and either fined or shut down. And they have now gotten the help of a Christian legal organization to fight what has happened in this state. Don't sing louder. Speak up. Amen? Amen. So based on the queen's recommendation, Belshazzar calls for Daniel. Then Daniel was brought in before the king, and the king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel? Are you the guy who is one of the captives from Judah, who my father, the king, brought from Judah? I've heard of you, that the Spirit of God is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought before me, uh, that they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they could not give the interpretation of the thing. And I've heard of you just recently. As a matter of fact, my queen just told me that you can give interpretations and explain enigmas or mysteries. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Isn't this an uncanny repeat of Daniel's dealings with Nebuchadnezzar? I could just step into Daniel's mind. Well, I've heard all this before. Been here, done that, got the T-shirt. I was there with your granddaddy. He promised me the same thing. But Belshazzar, or Daniel rather, wants none of Belshazzar's rewards. And before interpreting the handwriting, Daniel takes Belshazzar on a brief trip down memory lane. And here's what he says to him. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. But, O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom and majesty, glory and honor. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before your granddaddy, Belshazzar. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he said, now let me tell you what happened to your granddaddy. He got lifted up with pride. 
He was deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him, Belshazzar. Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like a beast and his dwelling was with wild donkeys. Belshazzar, your granddaddy, went through hell. He came under God's judgment and chastening. And Belshazzar, you should have remembered this. They fed him with grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over the kingdom of men whomever he chooses. Now here's Belshazzar. I think he's probably coming to his senses by about now. The buzz is gone. He's very alert now because he's just been given a history lesson that he should have remembered all on his own. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all of this. So can we just pause a minute and say to ourselves and draw an application that God expects us to remember our lessons. He expects us, when we see a lesson played out in front of us where somebody was clearly judged, somebody really paid a price for departing from God, God expects us to look at that and learn and remember it where it affects our behavior. In other words, let's learn from other people's mistakes so we don't have to make our own. Right? He said, you knew all this, Belshazzar. You knew all this. I shouldn't have to be telling you this. And you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. Now Daniel is telling him, here's what you did to cross the line. They brought you the vessels of his house, God's house, before you. And you and your lords, your wives and your concubines, you have drunk wine from them. You have desecrated them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds... Everybody read this next part with me. The God who holds your breath in his hand. Stop a minute. Now say with me, I'm alive because he lets me be alive. Do you see this? God holds your breath in his hand. Now, with that in mind, how in the world can we be proud? Right? He said, Belshazzar, you old fool. Your next breath, and you don't have many left. You don't know it yet, but you don't have many left, is in God's hand. This is called the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is knowing, I got up today because he let me. I'm going to go to bed tonight because he let me. If the Lord wills, we shall live, James wrote, and do this or that. Now, the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, here's the line you crossed, you didn't glorify. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him, and this writing was written. Belshazzar says, Daniel, you have learned nothing from those who went before you. Instead, you've walked in the same sins they did, only worse. You've desecrated the sacred things of the temple, and you've worshipped false gods. Now Daniel interprets the handwriting. To this day, Bible scholars and commentators, no one knows what language this was written in for sure. Was it Hebrew? We don't know. And that was one of the mysteries. No one could make it out. But it was only four words. Now Daniel says, this is the inscription that was written. Meanie, meanie, tekel, you parson. 
Four words. <laughs> Those fingers. Meany, meany, tickle, you parson. How long did it take him to write that? Long enough. And this is the interpretation of each word. Daniel gives the interpretation. He says, meany. Belshazzar, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. And when God finishes you, you're finished. When he finishes a work, it's finished. You can try and make it stay alive, but if it's dead by God, it's dead. Your kingdom has been numbered and it's finished. Tekel, you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Everybody say, oh, me. You can't say amen because that means so be it. But we can say, oh, me. And then you parson. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Sorry, Belshazzar, party's over. And so are you. Now Daniel has just read Belshazzar's doom. He had not taken warning from the judgments upon his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar, and he had insulted God. Now Matthew Henry, one of my favorite commentators, writes this. This event may well be applied to the doom of every sinner. At death, the sinner's days are numbered and finished. After death is the judgment, when he will be weighed in the balance and found wanting. Because you have no blood of Christ to cover your sin. So you're wanting. You have no advocate. You have no one to stand up for you. If you're lost and you die, and you go for the judgment bar of God, you're weighed in the balances. God will judge you for your sins, and you don't have anything on the other side to balance it out. If you had Jesus, there would be no sins to bring the balances down. But since you don't have Jesus, the balances, the sin is way down and the balances are wanting. And after judgment, the sinner will be cut asunder and given as a prey to the devil and his angels. At the very moment these things were happening in the palace, the army of Cyrus was entering the city. <laughs> wow. Belshazzar was quickly slain. And submission to a brand new kingdom of Medes and Persians followed. Now, you remember when we started this, how Nebuchadnezzar, the grandfather of Belshazzar, had the dream of the image of a man. And it was divided into four parts. And you remember that part of the interpretation was that after Babylon, it would be taken over by the Medes and the Persians. Now, Daniel had predicted that decades before this. Decades. Before this, Daniel, when he's interpreting Belshazzar's handwriting on the wall, is an old man. When he interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he was a young man. So decades have gone by. And now Daniel's prophecy that Babylon would be taken over by another kingdom and then he named them the Medes and the Persians. Now Daniel has been allowed to live long enough to see part of his prophecy fulfilled. Because the Medes and the Persians came in that night and Babylon ceased to be. Likewise, every unrepentant sinner will soon find the writing of God's Word brought to pass upon his or her own life. Belshazzar is taken aback and overwhelmed at Daniel's words. He acts in a somewhat stunned stupor. It's kind of dumb what he does, but then Belshazzar gave the command. They clothed Daniel with purple. They put a chain of gold around his neck and they made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That tells me Belshazzar didn't get it yet. What kingdom? 
How can he be the third ruler in a kingdom that's done, that's toast? So he's still kind of in a drunken stupor. He said, oh man, wow, look what he did. He interpreted the handwriting, clothing with purple. And here's Daniel going, dude. <laughs> this is revised Wickwire version. Dude, you're done. And this kingdom is toast tonight. I'm not going to be third ruler at all. But Belshazzar is apparently still in a drunken state. And here again, as in all of Daniel, we see that God is over kings and kingdoms. He's over America. He's over Russia. He's over China. He's over Singapore. He's over South Korea, wicked North Korea. He's over Israel. He's over every nation of the earth. The Bible says the nations of the world are just a drop in the bucket to God. And the message of Daniel, the first six chapters, and really the whole book, is that God rules in the kingdom of men. And he puts one down and brings up another. He knows the future as clearly as the present. So here's the fulfillment, verse 30 and 31, that very night. Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain. And Darius, the Mede, received the kingdom when he was 62 years old. In one night of debauchery and reckless sin, a king and a kingdom went away. Just like that. Do you think God can't get America's attention? He can't bring the enemies of Israel to their knees? He can, and He will. Well, God sure knows how to crash a party when it's an abomination to Him. And He also knows how to bring an entire kingdom to a close. I don't know about you, but I've been reminded in today's message that the God of the Bible is indeed the God of nations. When He wants to raise one up, He does so. And when He wants to close it down, He does that also with the blink of His eye. We serve a great and a mighty God who is to be loved, but also revered and feared in a healthy way. Now, don't go anywhere because we've got some exciting things to share with you, our Life Talk listeners, that I believe you're going to be very interested in. And until next time, I pray God's rich blessings be yours. Now, here's our announcer. Isn't it great when things are a little easier? Like connecting to Life Talk Radio and Pastor Jeff on your mobile devices anywhere, anytime. Then here's great news. Now, Pastor Jeff, Life Talk Radio, and Turning Point Church are just a few clicks away with a new TPC Family app. With the new TPC Family app on your mobile phone or tablet, there are loads of helpful features to keep you connected in an easy and fun way. Watch Pastor Jeff streaming live on Sundays and Wednesdays from Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Or watch on-demand videos from recent services you may have missed. Listen to Life Talk radio programs on demand. Today's broadcast or catch up on any of the great teachings from Pastor Jeff on past Life Talk programs. You can even help continue Life Talk Radio's outreach and impact on the nation with the gospel by giving securely online. Now you can even text your gift to Life Talk and the amount you would like to give to 30131. 
And you'll find contact information and directions to Turning Point Church, upcoming events, broadcast station listings for Life Talk Radio, and much, much more. Plus, the new TPC Family app is free and available on Apple or Android devices. To download the new TPC Family app, simply type in the keyword TPC Family as one word with no spaces in the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and get connected. So what are you waiting for? Download the free TPC Family app today and make your life a little easier. The Handwriting on the Wall is the fifth message of Pastor Jeff's series, Courageous Living. You can own a copy of this 13-CD set for just $65 plus shipping. Log on to LifeTalkRadio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, Courageous Living, for only $65 plus shipping. By logging on to LiveTalkRadio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast. Music.